1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: The title of the message today is our duties to one another. Our duties to one another. Some people are easy to get along with. It is easy to love people like that. But what about people who are always putting you down? Always talking behind your back and always being mean uh, in how they approach you. And sometimes we have to say, Lord, I know we are supposed to love one another, but can we make an exception in this case? How am I, how am I supposed to love someone I feel like strangling? How am I supposed? To get along with someone who doesn't get along with me. Now the Apostle Peter is writing to Christians who were undergoing or wondering about the same things that we are wondering about today. You so see, they had been driven hundreds of miles from their homeland by the Emperor Claudius during the persecution that he had uh, in, in uh, the Roman uh, territories. They were struggling to survive in a world that wasn't very friendly towards Christians. They often found themselves in direct opposition with the world in which they lived, and this often led to conflict or persecution. Worse yet... Christians often found themselves in conflict with one another because they were ignorant of God's word or they just ignored it altogether. And so this is why it is important that Christians do more than talk the talk. They must be able to walk the walk. And it is in this passage of scripture that Peter instructs us how to do that. That is 1 Peter chapter 3. 8 through 11. So the first um, point that um, Peter makes here is that we should live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. And in verse 8 of First Peter chapter 3 he says, finally all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, Love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. The Greek word for harmony means literally to be like-minded. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to stop arguing among yourselves. Let there be real harmony so there won't be divisions in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And Paul also says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, Then make me truly happy by agreeing with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. For most of us, being like-minded is what happens when you agree with me. But that's not what Peter or Paul has in mind. They are not calling us to agree on everything. That's not possible, nor is it desirable. It's inside the church we agree, disagree on many things. We could start an argument right now by getting into politics. You know who is the right person to be president of the United States and who should you vote for or even what television shows you should watch uh, What's the best translation of the Bible how to spend your money or preferred worship style the music that we listen to the books that we read and even the best way to discipline our children and on and on the list of things we disagree on would be very long indeed so Peter is calling for unity not uniformity we don't agree on everything and that's okay in the early church they disagreed over eating meat offered idols keeping the Sabbath vegetarianism versus eating meat whether or not wine drinking was acceptable Disagreements in the church are nothing new. We don't all have to think alike or act alike. But we do have to be like-minded. And that can only happen if we have the same focus, the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the body of Christ and in Christ and with his power. We can rise above the things that divide us. In Christ, we have a unity that transcends secondary issues. We can disagree on many things and still live in harmony with one another if we keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he asks us to do. Now, let's look at some of the qualities that can promote harmony Uh, within the body of Christ. And uh, Peter mentions four of them. The first is be sympathetic to one another. Be sympathetic to one another. Now the word sympathy literally means to share someone's feelings, to understand what they are going through. It means to share in the joys and sorrows of those around you. A local church body is like a family. And to be a family means that you have to know each other and be involved in each other's lives to some extent. Sadly, we are living in an age where most Christians think that a church is just a place they go when it is convenient for them to to worship. Uh, Peter says we are to be more than that. We are to be like a family, a family that shares together life's good times and bad times. Paul stated it like this in Romans chapter 12 and verse verse 15. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. You can't do this if church is only a convenient pastime because you'll never be able to relate to people personally because they will be just another face in the crowd. But what a blessing we miss when we don't allow others to share in our lives. I've learned over the years that words don't matter nearly as much as the fact that you cared enough to be present with people in their moments of crisis. Amen. and As I've said so many times, we can show that we care just by showing up. Amen. We don't have to say anything, especially when there is a, a loss of a family member. You don't need to say anything. All you need to do is to be present and perhaps give the person an embrace and say, we are thinking about you or praying for you. That's all you need to, you need to say. Is that sympathy is the uh, revelation of your heart to others, but a, a second quality of harmony is love each other as brothers and sisters. Love one another as brothers and sisters. Paul also addressed this in Romans chapter twelve and verse and verse ten. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. And the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 1 says, continue to love each other with true Christian love. The word brother in Greek means one born from the same womb. So we are to love our Christian brothers and sisters because we are all born from the same womb. You know, if you grow up in a family of brothers and sisters, you probably fought um, with each other from time to time growing up. But if someone outside of the family was speaking on your brother or sister, you'd say, get your hands off my little brother or my little sister, no one messes with my family. And that's what brotherly love is. It doesn't mean we'll never fight. It doesn't mean we're, we'll always agree. But when our brothers and sisters in the Lord need us, we are there. We are supportive. We are loyal. We are a family of faith. When a church member is in the hospital, we pray as a congregation. We send cards. We visit. And we celebrate when we see them again in church. Loving your brothers and sisters means Caring enough to stick up for them when they need your help. But the third quality of harmony is show compassion toward those in need. Show compassion toward those in need. Peter calls Christians to have deep emotions for those in need. Compassion means that you are moved so deeply that you are moved to action. It takes courage to care enough to get involved in the needs of others. We must fight against the tendency to pass, on, pass by on the other side when we see our neighbor in need. First John chapter 3 and verse 17 says, If anyone has material possessions, and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? You see, it's always easy to make excuses. And it's even easier not to see the hurting people around us. In the normal course of life, we need to be careful about what we say and do to others. If something doesn't need to be said, and if what you are going to say to someone else isn't going to encourage them to build them up, then you are better off not saying anything at all. There are a lot of walking, wounded Christians today who have dropped out of church because of unkind comments that could have been avoided if people would simply apply God's word to their talk. So when we show compassion to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are maintaining a harmony within the body of Christ. And a fourth quality that um, promotes harmony is practice humility. Practice humility. There will be harmony in the church when there is humility in people and when we put the needs of others ahead of ours. And I know that's difficult, because we're always thinking about it, me, myself, and I. You're not thinking about somebody else. But the Christian position is that we should think about others above ourselves. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So when a Christian begins to think that they know it all or that they are more spiritual than others because they do certain things or have certain gifts, that's not maturity. That's pride kicking in. Humility is not thinking less of yourself than you ought. True humility involves not thinking of yourself at all. What are we in a way? We are nothing but children of dust. Psalm 103, 14, and 15, I don't believe it's on your outline, where the psalmist says, For he understands, speaking about God, he understands how weak we are. He knows we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers we bloom and die. That's all we are. Little clumps of dust. We're here for a while and then we disappear. When we find ourselves thinking that we are irreplaceable or indispensable, we need to stop and remember that if the Lord made us, he can make another to take our place. God puts us in positions at particular moments in history. And when the time comes, he moves us off the scene and others take our place. I will have no matter how much you love me, I will have to move off the scene in order for People's Baptist Church to continue to grow and to develop. And someone will certainly come and do far more than I've done in my in the years that I've spent. I don't know how many years I'm spending yet. <laughs> Humility isn't about making yourself look bad. While others look good. It's not making yourself look any particular way at all. Humility means enjoying the freedom in God. To come down to where you ought to be. So we have looked at the first duty. That is having harmony. uh, Within the body of Christ. And the second duty is bless and be blessed. Bless and be blessed. First Peter chapter 3 and verse, na- and verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now this verse contains a negative and a positive command. First, we are not to retaliate when we are attacked. And I know for some of you that's awfully difficult. The temptation to respond in kind must have been overwhelming for the persecuted Christians who were the first readers of this letter. As a hate, hated um, minority, they were sometimes called Christian dogs. And it would have been very easy for them to reply, I may be a Christian dog, but you're a pig and pig. <laughs> but Peter says, don't do it. Don't respond in kind. Don't return insult for insult. Cheap shot for cheap shot. Curse word for curse word. Or threat for threat. It's hard for us to not retaliate, especially when we watch someone hurt those we love. But our Lord says we are not to retaliate no matter how angry we may feel. And that's something that some of us will have to work hard at at, um, getting, you know, making real in our lives. Second, we are to bless those who mistreat us. And this is much harder to do. It is possible in your own power not to return insult for insult. By the exercise of self-control, you can mumble to yourself under your breath, I'm not going to take a swing. I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to throw anything. I won't let them get to me. But that's not enough. In your own power, you will never bless those who hurt you deeply. Only God can do that through you. That's why Jesus said in in uh, Luke chapter six, verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight, "Love your enemies." Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Love is more than what you don't do. Love moves from the negative, do not retaliate, to the positive, bless those who hurt you and pray for them. Now, I find it very difficult to pray for my enemies when I feel greatly provoked. It takes God's grace to pray, Lord, you know those people and what they have done and said. You know how angry I am at them or at that person and how I don't care to be around that person or those persons at all. But I ask you, Lord, to ignore my feelings and bless them in spite of how I feel. You see, when insulted how do you respond when you receive a letter or an email or a text message that makes you angry are you too quick to write an angry reply is so it when someone makes a false accusation against you do you find a way to get even do you live in anger and bitterness toward others for days on end If so, you need to hear what God is saying to you through this passage. But the the third duty that we have to one another is to pursue peace when possible. Pursue peace when possible. 1 Peter chapter 3, 10 through 12 says, For the scriptures say, If you want a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his eyes are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who who do evil. These verses are quotations from from Psalm 34. Now Peter isn't promising that by doing these things that your life will always be happy and peaceful, only that we should always seek to live a peaceful life with those around us. Peter quotes the psalmist Psalm 34 again, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God knows and loves us. He knows us even better than we know ourselves. And his eyes are upon us. He is aware of the frustration that wearies you. He's aware of the dreams that you have dared to dream even when everyone doubted you. He's aware of the fears that trouble you and the joys that fill your heart. He knows of your disappointments and the heartaches that have come your way. He knows you, he sees you, and he loves you. And in the midst of all that which complicates your life, remember the eyes of the Lord, watch over those who do right. And because of that, be assured also that his ears are open to our prayers in order to live the way God wants us to live we need a certain view of ourselves a certain view of God and a certain view of our enemies the proper view of ourselves and of God comes from Romans chapter 5 verses 8 and 10 but God demonstrates his love his own love for us in this while we were still sinners We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, before we came to Christ, we were all God's enemies. Not some of us, but all of us. Though we didn't see ourselves as enemies, that is what the Bible says we were. Enemies of God. And one day, while we were running away from him, he found us, brought us to our knees, gave us new life, caused us to see Jesus, pointed us to the cross, and gave us a heart to believe the gospel, the good news of Christ. And in one shining, amazing, supernatural moment, We were enemies no longer. We were ungodly no longer. We were strangers no longer. Suddenly, by grace, we became children of God. His his enemies became his friends. And this is the miracle of the gospel of grace. If we had a million years and a million lives, we could never pay God back for what he has done for us. We could never give enough sing enough, pray enough, work enough to pay back God for what he has done. Our indebtedness and our gratitude will last for eternity. But there is one thing that we can do and we must do. We can do for others what God has done for us. We can love our enemies the way God loved us when we were his enemies. Do you have any enemies? Are you surrounded by people who take you for granted and seem to take pleasure in hurting you? Don't give in to anger. Don't give in to despair. Instead, give thanks for your enemies. And that's difficult. You see, God sent them to you for a reason. God means to use your enemies to help you grow and to teach you to trust him. So when you are mistreated, fall on your knees and give God thanks for your enemies. Name them one by one. Give thanks for them one by one. Ask God to bless them one by one. Your enemies are God's gifts to you, even though you don't realize it. So remember you serve a God who sees all, hears all, knows all. Nothing can escape his attention is above all and beyond all. He is the supreme authority over everything and everyone. All power belongs to him. He speaks and it happens. He commands and it is done. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess not only that he is God but that his son Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, to the glory of God the Father. And let the people of God say, Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.